0: I was a bouncing and a laughing as we rolled down an old dirt road. Daddy looking in his rear view, hoping that we'd just hang on. Hi there, I'm Glenn Saville. You're listening the to the Always Race Day podcast
1: what's up guys welcome to episode number 127 of the always race day podcast i'm connor ferguson here with caleb Slowhot, noah nelson and damon Helgewald. Uh we're about to do a big episode here we're talking uh damon went to the race at gateway he's going to talk about that we're going to draft our knoxville uh world of Outlaws weekend and our dirt late model dream teams um and start Kind of a competition contest we're going to have running through the rest of the season here and then we have two uh very fun interviews uh with carson macedo and then uh xfinity series team owner tommy joe martins uh who went through just a hellacious week um over the past seven days so really loaded episode hope you guys appreciate it um we probably have just as much fun giving it to you but uh for real it is very cool to be able to deliver this uh this week to y'all um and if you ever have a hauler break down on the side of the road none of the nascar teams are going to help you and nascar might not help you either that's not what happened with tommy joe but if that did happen to you i think the first call you make has to be the carl auto group i don't want them showing up with the truck that's been to a dirt track they're going to show up with one of the cleanest damn trucks that they have on the property so get out to the carl auto group uh they're our presenting sponsors we always appreciate uh them as well um they allow us to do everything we uh, get to do and that are that we're privileged to do on this show. So we're going to hop right into it today. Um, tons of content in this episode. I really, uh, really think you guys are going to like it. So Damon, Gateway. Yeah. I was like, uh, Damon's been really quiet lately and I didn't realize you were going to the race and then it hit me when I texted you Sunday night and you're like, yeah, I just got in the truck going home. I'm like, oh, he definitely didn't have internet today.
4: No, didn't have internet, uh, sat through a phantom lightning delay and, uh, ended up being a part of the uh, 24 hours of St. Louis. So it was definitely an exciting day in St. Louis to say the least. Did you protest uh, in the stands. Uh, yeah, it was, it was so dumb. You, the, it, I tell you what, Dan's an it, activist. When they called the lightning delay the first time, the sun was still out. Like, there was not a cloud in the sky. Then, their clouds rolled in, but it was never dark. The only reason it got dark is because they decided to keep going at 6.30 at night for the same lightning delay. But, regardless... It was a good show is, I mean, that, that track actually this year, it finally put up two racing grooves, which was not the case last year by any means. Uh, they actually were able to utilize multiple grooves in the track. We still saw breaks, um, fall off cars, which I don't necessarily like to see that by any means, but, um, it, it was a good race from being in the stands. There was always something to watch. Someone was making some sort of moves. It's a very, uh, run, uh, dependent track. So if you don't get a good run, you're going to backslide quite a ways. So definitely fun to, uh, to be there second year in a row to, to get, to go to gateway. And, um, you know, it was really cool to see a night race at the very end. I think that was the big thing for me that really stuck out is just how, how neat that looked at night. I've seen night races at Kansas, but that one was a little bit different because you know, those, that race, I don't know what was so different to me, but it just had a better feel about it at the end of the race.
2: Uh, We talked about this on uh, Sunday's episode, I guess for Monday, but uh, it actually worked out really well for the viewers at home because we were supposed to have both IndyCar and NASCAR at the same exact time. Um, but then IndyCar started and NASCAR delayed and kept delaying and kept delaying. And the, Don't remind me. the checkered flag finished for IndyCar. They did some of their interviews and then drivers got in their cars for a cup. So it actually worked like perfectly. Um, so they did the- it on purpose that's what I was, i'm gonna go with. before yeah. right after we years, right after we talked to Messina.
4: i
1: ran out of yeah. beer twice <laughs> i don't think you understand damon there's never been a rain delay that has delivered as much positives as that one and it delivered just one and that's all it we wasn't was. even a rain delay i didn't get wet lightning delay i don't care that's <laughs> Only not a good positive from a rain
4: delay you didn't get wet <laughs> The only wet that I had was the sweat that I was sitting in from when we got there. It was like 9,000 degrees when we got there and they put new pavement in and that pavement is hot as hell. So I don't know. God, now I'm not going to remember his name, but he somebody tweeted it. And they're like, they melted their shoes. They had to go
2: to the doctor. It's uh, a second degree burns or something. Yeah. Colby
3: Evans, a big dude. Um, yeah, and I, I mean that is insane. Dale it, Jr. It, mentioned back in like '97 that happened to him when he was racing the Bush series. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah, Gateway's hot. It's hot.
4: And, but man, it it was a really good show. Like I, I thoroughly enjoyed this year's show a lot better than last year's because of the fact that they could use two lanes. Like last year, it really was one lane bottom dependent. I don't think anybody really wanted to try a second lane either because they didn't know what was there. Um, but seeing them run, you know, a lane, two lanes off the bottom in one and two was neat, and and seeing them be able to generate some runs off of three
1: and four was was pretty good too. Yeah. Were you even okay. watching the race last year? Didn't you see Chase Elliott and Denny Hamlin's racing lines? There was like four grooves.
3: Yeah, yeah, I was. You know, I was going to say that's the only John Gerard, Man, the only uh, thing that last year's race had on this year's was the the entire roster didn't take a folding chair to Ross Chastain this year.
4: Yeah, that's that's about it. But that's because he didn't last either, that was the whole joke. Ross Chastain wasn't too relevant in, in race in the race on Sunday.
2: Here's my question, though, and it's a very important one. Did Austin Cindric wreck Austin Dillon on purpose? No. 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 Obviously I, no, NASCAR no. determined today they won't be penalizing him. You know, the the thing that got me very much was and I, we got to see a couple different angles now and it seemed less doubtful, but like what's funny to me is Austin Dillon gets out, does his interview and his only thing was well, he wrecked me on purpose, so he needs to be suspended. Like, it was very much like, mom, look what he did, trying to, like, it it just— Richard Childress said the same thing, Caleb. Well, yeah, but, like, the difference is, as soon as Austin Dillon came out for his interview, like, he came out of the care center, and that was his very first thing, his only response was, well, he just wrecked me, so he needs to have a timeout next week. Like, it was very much like, mommy, look what he did, and, like, it wasn't—
4: I do think a lot of that. I think a lot of that is because of the the events that are more recent on our minds, right? Yeah,
1: now. I told I told you guys that that this is what's gonna happen. You guys were like, no, penalize Chase Elliott. His fans never go through bad times. They're Alabama football. You gotta you gotta get them. That is nothing the to do Georgia with Georgia football. It. Yeah, uh, that's ah uh, that that is insulting now that I said oh man. I'm sorry.
5: Yeah uh, dude, he's grown up in the off years
1: off I do. no I yeah. I will say too he screwed uh, the rest of this episode up because the interviews are really kick ass and I don't need yeah. you for pausing it now.
3: Everybody just close their browser.
4: Don't <laughs> don't listen to don't listen to the last 30 seconds. Um it I will say too from a fan experience standpoint, getting into the racetrack a lot better than it was last year. It was a lot smoother. They had opened up the lanes a little bit easier. They have traffic coming from two separate directions, which was a lot nicer. Instead of funneling everybody down to four lanes, they opened up to two sides, two different directions down. So basically at eight lanes, what I will say is leaving. They kind of had some issues getting people out of the parking lot. Um, they, they funneled everybody that was in one parking lot down to one gate. And then they did that to the other parking lot as well. So it essentially was only one line going out of where they had four coming in. Uh, also, the there was, I mean, beer vendors all over the place. You turn around and there's a beer vendor. You turn around, there's a food vendor like there was no lines to wait for things. Um during that race especially right beforehand like when you're walking the the midway area it was so easy to get around and and there were like i said no lines entertainment was awesome it was great to have the pre-race concerts like they did and uh Dirk bentley at the end was was pretty
1: cool as well That just see that just sounds like a track prime for a lightning delay the more you say about it no but no. Every, everything else you said aside from the lightning delay thing uh goes back to my uh i guess hypothesis hypotheses i don't know uh, that hypothesis that, yeah well. that, that nascar when they try something they might it might seem like they take a swing and a big whiff but the second time around they're gonna take a major step forward whether the first time was a whiff or not uh we've seen it time and time again with all these races uh i don't know if tommy Joe watched the second knoxville truck race but that's okay We'll agree to disagree in some aspects, but uh, it, it, the second event always kind of ups the ante um, or at least puts things in the right direction. It's great to see that again this weekend.
4: Also, did you see the giant fireball that they put on the back straightaway for the second year in a row? Uh,
1: to, be, to be honest with you, I was watching the, um, I, I was up late working Saturday with all the races that were going on. So I was putting releases up till like 5am. So I woke up and I'm like, hazy still and i had the indycar broadcast on um for the first part because i for whatever reason i was going to my parents i'm like i got this radio broadcast it's either this or that uh so did they show it is i don't know if they They whatever they did okay
4: that i'm like i'm almost certain that that fireball was hotter this year than it was last year and i was further away like it was
2: hot they, they did that for Eldora too, at, like at the truck race and they would do it behind turn three and you, you were so far away, but it was, I, I mean, it, it hurt. Like yeah, <laughs> it was hot.
4: <laughs> I think I got second degree burns just from that. Like that was, it was hot when that thing went off and mind you, this is at, you know, two 30 in the afternoon when it was still 93 degrees, when you're sitting on a bleach on a metal bleacher while you're at it. But yeah, boy, um, no, it, it was a good race. I, I was happy to be in attendance for it and, um, definitely we'll, we'll go back. Chris Blair and Curtis Francois, the track owner, uh, they, they've done a fantastic job with that facility, just the different upgrades that they've done and, um, can't can't complain one bit about it
1: can we can we get indianapolis motor speedway to just hand over what they do for internet for the 500 to every asphalt and dirt racetrack in the country and then There's i want a that. list of the people that refuse to open it because i think i could name some tracks that you'd be like yeah they won't yeah they won't I'll screw it all. hickory motor speedway with how i've seen them handle the Landon Hoffman thing they probably won't open that but <laughs> Hand it, to, hand it to Iowa State uh, football too. Hey, places need to know how to get people in there, you know, with secure internet, especially if you're going to have mobile ticketing. Yeah, it was hot. But,
4: I I don't uh, I never envy that and you know, no it, it sucked it sucked that the internet wasn't very good but then come to find out like midway through the first stage after they got back going all the all the data on the pit boxes also went out like everything went out which makes sense as to why the video boards they they went black like the video boards shut down and we're like trying to figure out you why know the
1: broadcast got dropped.
4: Yeah. Apparently I heard about that.
1: Yeah. For like three, four minutes or something. And, you know, a lot of people
4: MRNs broadcast apparently dropped as well.
1: dropped for a far longer time. It was like 20 minutes. till they were back.
4: Well, it takes a lot for radio too. That's the worst. Part they were playing,
1: cause... they were playing an old race. I didn't get on there to see what race it was. Hopefully it wasn't one with current name drivers racing in it.
3: No, they, they actually uh, aired an Adam Petty interview. Uh, oh, that's good. What no I saw would, on Twitter. Yeah. That's
2: good. Good.
3: I'm sure somebody still probably thought it was from today, but. Casey, I wouldn't. Jeff Green were leading the field to Green, Caleb. I'd be shocked.
1: I wouldn't put it past him. (laughs) I wouldn't put it past him. So, uh, as far as. Ratings go um, for the race. This one got a 1.27 rating, uh, 2.16 million viewers. Um, that's down from 1.47, so two tenths up rating last year, um, and 2.502 uh, million viewers for the race last year. So it, Damon has kind of swung me back the other way again on this, but uh, yeah, it, it sounds like the Chase Elliott effect is very real. And it's okay, well, a shame if he out. wasn't in the playoffs, is what I'm trying to say you
2: have to also think about the fact that there was several um,
1: delay. Yeah. There's other stuff that goes into it. I
2: agree.
1: I I was expecting it to be down because that's kind of how ratings work that you get more viewers the first year of an event, but I'm sorry.
4: I, I told, I told Connor this earlier when, when we were talking about it is when you look back at the four races that chase missed at the beginning of the year, All four of those races, they were down from the previous year television-wise. Every other race has been up from last year um and now this one obviously the lightning delay does not help by any means don't get me wrong but this the the number went down and it doesn't have chase elliott in it i know it's kind of odd but it just seems like there is a common denominator amongst the five races that he has not been in this year uh that the tv ratings have gone down with it
3: but I guess the, the, the most popular driver people tune in to watch it Shocker, right? Yeah.
2: (laughs) You just wouldn't think that it would make that big of a difference, but they're going to be in real big trouble for Sonoma because, you know, nobody's watching because the the pride card is going to be in the field. So the internet. The
4: the other thing too that I told Connor about is you got to remember Chase Elliott took over three fan bases. In my opinion, he had his own that he started when he was coming up. He had bills that he took over, which won however many, you know, champ, uh, most popular driver awards during his time. And then essentially he took over Dale Jr.'s because when yeah. junior when junior retired was the incoming of of chase at the same time and so you, you know you had that crossover of the old fans of juniors wanted to cheer for an old school type guy and that was chase because of his last name and then then you have all the the junior fans that were kids they're like well we're gonna go follow chase as well so you, you essentially take over three of the biggest fan bases in the world and jeff gordon's thrown in there on top of it You know, you've got huge fan bases. So, yeah, I think the numbers kind of justify it a little bit.
2: It's a a shame that they picked such an exciting driver to follow. Junior's protege. They missed the boat on Alex Plummer.
3: What's that, Noah? Oh, I was just saying Junior's protege took over Gordon's car, and so it's Bill's kid. Yeah, it's just a perfect recipe for, like, the popular driver.
1: Yep. I'd agree with that a lot. Are we, uh, do you guys want to draft? Let's do it. All right. So we did this for the 500, the Coke 600. Um, the comments were really funny on it. I liked it a lot. Every time we do one of these, like people, like, how could you not pick this guy? And then we just feel stupid and it's really entertaining. Um, we're in I tra- don't feel stupid. You do. Usually it's me. Yes. I'll correct.
3: feel stupid no matter what happens. So let's do it, man. Well, and then I'll pick, I'll pick some guy I know because I'm like, yeah, I'm
1: buddies with him. He's going to do well. And he has the worst race of his life. And then I feel partially responsible. So we're going to get into that. You want to write these down. I'm, I'm working. I got, I got my notes. I'm writing them down. Do you guys want to do, uh, so there's, two biggest races this weekend uh both on dirt there's probably gonna end up being a little more asphalt races we're gonna keep track of them and kind of set it up next year so it's as fair as it can be and we'll come up with a big punishment for the loser uh but we're gonna do like we're gonna try to do like the biggest race on any given weekend um on the midweek show and try to do this on a normal basis do you guys want to do the outlaws at knoxville first or the dirt late metal dream
4: Let's do the dream. Then we can lead into the Macedo with the Knoxville stuff.
1: Beautiful. That's perfect. Um, all right. So how do we, what do we want to do for the order? Because we're we're in a competition delay here. Do you, you want me to volunteer
2: to go last, Ian? I'll take I, seven. I'll take first if we're just going to give it out. Oh, I was going to say if we're all in order I say we just go down the order like one way or another of... Caleb just volunteered himself to first no I said one way or the other I, I volunteered no, I... myself to first I have no shame
1: it's snake draft either way so yeah we'll go Noah in the box around so Damien uh... I'll take third Caleb your fourth how many are we picking here how far down do we want to go four is that alright four You're for mind. both of them Four will be fine. Cool. Beautiful. All right, Noah, you're up first, buddy.
3: Okay, so this is for the dream. Yeah. Um, Brandon Overton.
1: Jonathan Davenport.
4: We are wasting little time here. I didn't. Well, he gave me the chance. I wasn't gonna yeah, miss him.
3: He's he's defending winner. That's, yeah,
1: that's fair. That's fair. Sorry, I wrote. Damon's name is Caleb so we're really off to a rousing start here Um, I'm kicking it off with Bobby Pierce easy pick you got to get drunk enough to be a Bobby Pierce fan Bobby Pierce is cool you can always drink more beer so give me Bobby Pierce
2: give me Hudson O'Neill you You got two
1: picks picks in a row Caleb
2: oh I get two in a row oh yeah that's right because we're doing this Uh... give me Brandon Shepard Hmm. dude's just picking a rocket factory
1: over there i mean is the chassis design not like fat i'm not making fun of those guys not being fast at eldora that wasn't what i was doing um we're just going to take the other late model friend of the show um and take ricky White. i'm glad you did that because i
4: was going to have to decide um <laughs> let's go I'm going to go with another. I guess I'm going to go with another Longhorn. Give
3: me Devin Moran. Give me Chris Madden.
4: Mm, good pick.
3: And then I get another one now, right? Yeah. Okay. Uh, give me Kyle Strickler.
4: Hmm. I I don't know. This is, this is tough because I'm down to a couple of guys here. Let's go... Let's go, Dennis Herb.
1: You are absolutely correct about this being tough. And I'm having my anxiety about forgetting people because I just did this off my head. Um, he's been really good lately. So, oh, don't do that, Caleb. You can't. No, no, no. Don't pressure me into picking I a bad what pick. Can happen. Don't, I don't do that. Don't, don't pressure care, me into picking a bad care. pick. I got Dale McDowell. He has been absolutely on fire at Eldora, and I saw a stat earlier. I will take him.
2: I know we're we're at Eldora, but we made it this far down the list, and nobody's picked RTJ. That's that's who I'm going with. Oh, that, was,
3: that's that's that was a good pick. That's a good pick.
2: I didn't think he was gonna last that long, and that's what I figured. I was, I was thinking Connor was just about to take it right before. I gotta write him down, so I, don't I looked. I,
1: I went past him. There's a couple guys that I would say the same thing about, um, but he has been the hottest of the ones I was looking at. You got, a, you got one more, and this is your last one, Caleb. Yep, give me Tyler Erb.
2: It's either I mean it. That one's gonna go either way. <laughs> it's either gonna be really yeah, good or you're, it's your right your wreckers or checkers with that pick. <laughs> that's that's my. I saved that one for the end, but I, I figured <laughs> it would be a shot. Shit, broke my pencil.
1: Man, if we were analytic enough to get like value out of picks and stuff, I would certainly just throw Carson yeah. Bar down to be funny. Oh, um, uh, I thought about it. Yeah, I. I don't want to throw a name Well, I guess yeah. No one's no one's ruining my picks. I'm picking between Dalton Wilson, Chris Ferguson, and Kyle Bronson. And Bronson has been very hot as of late. I God, Dalton always gets better, and Hoffman's been on a tear this year too, getting way better. I'm just yeah. I'll go. <clears throat> I'm going Nick Hoffman. Damn
4: you. Oh boy, uh, that left me with the easiest pick left on the board—the one five seven, Mike Marler. Yeah, I fucking knew I was. going to. That was pick.
3: my ne- damn it. Okay, hold on. Now I gotta. Now I gotta look again.
1: <laughs>
4: I thought someone picked him. I'm
3: stupid. Those, yeah, no, that's for my next two picks. That sucks. Hold on. You guys, you guys really put me on the spot here. I'm the last pick, right? Yeah, last pick. Awesome. Okay. There's some pick,
1: big names. Too. Yeah, if you want some time, we can take our halftime break now um, and give Caleb his uh, trivia question.
3: Yeah, give. Take, yeah, go ahead and give Caleb his trivia question. Well,
1: we wanted to see if Caleb was a big dirt racing fan or not. Um, so I have three names here. Um, one is a sprint car driver. You got to tell me which one it is.
2: I feel like this is not, let's see if Caleb's a dirt fan, and this is, let's just parade him to all the dirt fans so that he can be burned at the stake. No, we might, we're going to try to do that in the next few weeks. Yeah, I feel like that's what's about to happen. This is like level one easy,
1: so you don't know pressure. Uh, It's Willie Overback, Danny Lissoski, or Bryce Kenny. Which one's, which one's the sprint car driver?
2: i i mean i have no idea you so. gotta take a guess Pick one <laughs> of the three give me the names again so, willie overback
1: danny Lasoski,
2: and bryce kenny so i've heard of one of these um what is the first name over overbeck overback yeah that sounds like a sprint car driver name, but uh, I'm going to go with lasowski Damn it. Wow. <laughs> Willie Overback was
1: some kid that Damon's dad taught in school. No, I, covered, I covered him in high school. I covered oh. him as a high school player. There
4: it, you go. It, it, uh, and Bryce Kinney was a monster like a, truck
2: driver for the Great Clips Mohawk World. It sounds almost like a... You know, thunder from down under type guy. <laughs> you
1: we know, we almost got him, guys, and I don't think Lasoski's from Australia. So, no,
4: no, he is definitely not from. He no. is from Missouri, actually.
2: No, but I have I him. have heard of him, so that's why I uh, figured that was going to be my best shot. Good job.
3: All right, what do you got for us, Noah? Uh, has anybody taken Earl Pearson Jr. yet? Uh yes. Damn it! I'm just kidding. No okay. one has taken him. I want him then. He's mine you got him
2: awesome okay so then what what are we covering for knoxville which class
3: it's the world of outlaws outlaws.
1: at knoxville the point oh, standings yeah, no. i sent you were the world of outlaws standings and the knoxville standings and those are going to be a majority of the field
4: i'm looking at this dream lineup like man we missed some big names but we only also only had four picks so that's fair
1: i mean i i'm solely responsible for half the big names that went later than they should have so
4: I don't know. I feel like my lineup is just stacked with top five. Come to
1: think of it, I probably could have gotten Bobby Pierce and Ricky Weiss after Caleb. Oh, that one. Okay, never mind. I'm looking at it backwards.
2: No, because I I thought Pierce was going to be, Pierce was on my list, but he was a little bit further down and he got taken. But I did have Weiss on my list too. Got to support the friends of the show. Exactly. I would have
4: picked, I would have picked Bobby Pierce with my second pick instead of Devin Moran, but, um,
1: you didn't let me have that chance.
4: Can't
2: um, pander, can't
1: pander to Bobby with that.
2: He knows. I that. have a question. Yeah. So as I'm looking at the 360 points. Don't look at the 360 points. That's four times. No, no, no. Listen, as I'm as as I'm looking at them, um, I see that we've ran races, but like nobody has a win.
0: Yeah, so Aaron Reitzel, for
1: yeah, Aaron Reitzel went down and ran there, and I think Chase Randall is making a decision soon on if he's declaring for 410s or 360 points. I don't know what he's doing, um, so I haven't. They're, well, re- been they're racing at eagle tonight, too. Very good qualifying run. Didn't I- Did
4: Terry McCarl win a 360 race this year already or something no. like that?
1: No. Terry hasn't been raised. I think the winners have just been uh, 410 guys. Yeah, Reitzel and – it was last week. Was it Reitzel again last week? He started with three in a row. I think think it's just been Reitzel. All
0: right.
2: All right, so that means I get to start off. Are we going the opposite way then? I think that's fair. That's fair. fair. So we're looking at the 410 class, huh?
4: And the outlaw points. Don't forget
2: about that. Well, what are we – where where's the outlaw points?
3: i and i assume that not everybody on these lists is running would i be correct in assuming that or
2: i mean they're oh. all trying to qualify
1: oh for these two yeah i uh, the top 14 in world of Outlaws points will be there and everyone almost on that knoxville sheet up to 20 or 22. Um, we, we, I would, I would assume. I think it's safe to assume that J Mac will be there,
4: and yes. Rico, and so yeah. There's, there's quite a few names on the outlaw list that'll be there. So
2: you're telling me that if I pick McKenna Haas, or Casey Kane, or Buddy Kofoy, I might be in trouble.
4: Uh, two of the three picks, you should be fine.
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ready for my first pick.
1: Nice, kill. Or
2: it. He's doing a little. of you guys different names know. so many times. Today. I'm sorry. Go ahead, kill. Give me Ritzel Reitzel, Reitzel. Aaron Reitzel, Yeah, that's awesome. I,
1: Him going one one. Uh, his grandma's going to retweet this. I know or his mom. I think.
2: I forget who. What he, I uh, had in my head and what I said out loud did not match up. But I, that's the first name that comes to me when I'm looking at this list. So.
1: I'm going to take I mean, the guy that you're about to hear on an interview in a second here and take Carson Macedo.
2: Oh, thank God I
1: dodged a bullet. Donnie shots. <laughs> <laughs> Damon was for sure going to pick Donnie. I, and Carson just didn't want the bad look of it.
4: I no, No, I was taking Donnie regardless. That's right. That's what I'm saying. I was taking him regardless. I just didn't know if you were.
3: I'll take James McFadden and you got two oh shoot yeah i do you're right um give maybe, me, maybe me and
1: damon are the only ones who are allowed to be on the ends of the snake <laughs> give me
3: bread sweet
1: all right david gravel god talk about the potential
2: what, what list are you people looking at the outlaws, the outlaws list. list i thought i'm so lost we you're supposed to have both lists open I know, but where's the, okay. You're, you're looking at the local stars list and the NFL dirt guys are you coming know, to I town. Okay. So I, when I was looking at this, I, I confused myself. I apologize because it gave me the image block and then the link underneath of it. So I I thought it was two things. Give me one hop, one hop, one
1: hop. You're all good. I'm
2: still trying to figure out. That's why was. I was so confused because I thought that you had only sent the one thing, but um still a bold choice with uh, Aaron Reitzel, but not bad choice. No, I'm still good. I mean I'm uh, uh is it my turn now? No, it is no, my, it's my
1: turn.
4: turn. I took his pick.
2: Yeah, you did. Um
1: hmm. there's a lot of ways I can go with this. And I'm gonna this is what I call buying myself a little bit of time. I'm going with Austin McCarl. Oh my uh, god, I dodged another bullet. Damn it. Give me I'm the, making the one late play here.
2: <laughs> All right, now it's my turn. Yeah, you got two picks, though, so just remember that. Give me the Italian from California.
1: There's a lot of those. Are you talking about Rico? <laughs> I'm just talking about Gio. That's Rico. who
2: I know.
1: I was looking at Rico's name. <laughs> no, he knows Rico.
4: Rico is a former NASCAR driver, he knows him. Yeah,
2: I know. Italian from California. He should have picked
1: Mike Marlar. He's been really no good at it. <laughs> I took Mike Marler. I uh, wasn't thinking it. about Gio. I just I was looking. Yeah. I'm literally I was looking at a list and going down and a name popped up, buddy.
2: I also picked I I picked Aaron because I thought we were starting out with the other one, but like I'm pretty sure I. Asked You're all in the that. same race. Well, I know, but I when I asked, that, thought we were talking about.
1: See, uh, I I thought... Caleb does things that make me like wonder how much dirt racing he follows, and then he'll pull shit out of his no, ass, and I... I'm like, "This is insane that he knows this, but not this."
2: No, because I literally—I mean that in the nicest way possible. I—I I thought that I asked, and that's—I I thought I was told the opposite of. No, you're so fine. I... Sorry about that. Um. Okay, hold on. I gotta write down what I picked so that when you guys try to this... Me over uh, i'm writing it early. down i'm
1: writing it down too you got Geo right so and geo is your team right now who's you got one more pet
2: oh yeah i got a pick again um man i had somebody that i oh hold on one second here i know
3: Uh my <laughs> boss from work is trying to call me right now all right I, I, I do love me some
2: pork, so we're gonna go with Brady Bacon. Oh, get out
3: of here! Close your browser. Log off for me. Is he back this weekend? Yeah, you no,
1: know, for sure he is coming back. I don't. I haven't seen for sure, but didn't he run last weekend? Yeah, but and Usac is running Indiana Midget Week, so I suppose yeah, we can do that if he doesn't show up. We'll let you pick a. We'll let you pick somebody else if he doesn't show up. Okay. Thank God, right. that saying Rico's name there didn't come back to bite me in the ass. I'm taking Rico.
2: Give
3: me Brian Brown.
2: Yeah, that's yeah.
3: Okay, give me uh, Logan Shukart. Oh shoehart. Shoehart, Thank you.
4: I like Schuheart better. It sounds cooler.
3: <laughs> and that's, then that's the
4: one Damon doesn't like.
3: Give me uh, Carrie Madsen. Oh, good pick.
4: Good pick. Do we know is Brent Mark showing up?
1: I don't know. I heard it was a lovely weekend for sitting on the porch in Pennsylvania. Okay. I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. Um, no, 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 no. I'm not going to take I, no. If I was I a betting man, I, I would bet you he's there.
4: I'm not going to take that risk. I don't want to. As much as I do want I can to. You have
1: me, a replacement.
4: I can have a replacement?
1: Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, like, you can just text me a replacement. We'll figure it out. And what if I don't see it? I'll text you before the race. I'll
4: be there, so it's not going to.
1: Oh, I'll tell you before the race. Um, yeah, we got two hands, two hands on the ground, two boots on the gr- well, four boots on the ground for Knoxville this week with me and Damon. So you guys are in for it.
3: Yeah, I would hope there would be four boots between you guys.
1: <laughs> hey, you yeah. don't know what happened. Connor might have lost a leg. <clears throat> I lost in a
4: bat.
3: When you got hit by that uh, golf cart or whatever?
1: No, I bet a lot of money on the Coca-Cola 600 team that we put together in that draft. Uh, That came back to bite my ass, so.
4: I will pick... uh, I'll take Sheldon. Damn it, you. Mm. I had to go with a safe play, and Sheldon's not very good at Knoxville, so.
1: All right, well, this leaves me just with... i will take justin henderson with the recommendation that caleb takes tasker phillips
2: i'm assuming gravel got taken right yeah, yes. <laughs> I, yeah I suppose it. he was only taken at the
1: sixth pick but that was because he took Reitzel first and i that's not a bad echelon for Reitzel. he's been on hey, nate i year. i take gravel with my second
4: pick therefore <clears throat> I made that uh, a strategic play.
1: Oh yeah, it very strategic. I want to take Tasker because he's been a lot better this year, but I can't I can't justify not going with Hendo. I think I'm the only person in the world that calls him that, by the way. So yep. no uh actually maybe I should have a dirt. Maybe we should get that on Johnny Gibson's radar. I just don't want like any more nicknames that are like Firecracker Molly or something. Never heard that one. I I don't like the dumb nicknames. That's all I'm saying. Hendo is just Henderson with an O at the end.
0: So
4: So you got Henderson. So what do we got here, Caleb? Yeah, I'm giving Caleb time to think. Mm, I get you.
2: I'm just looking at who else we got.
4: There's some good ones. there.
1: I don't want to give you any
4: ideas, but...
3: I
1: gave him. I gave him a recommendation, a glowing one too. He's a man. He's got a kid named Grain, a, f- a friend of the show, uh, also a friend of the show. All right, put him down then. All right, Caleb's taking Tasker. That's it, man. Sawyer Phillips is pissed uh, that you took his brother over him. Sawyer hasn't been on the show. We'll get Sawyer on sometime. They're both great people. I haven't met the third brother. I assume he's very nice, too. Also, Sawyer didn't make the A-Main of the Knoxville Nationals. That's right. Tasker has been. I'm going to do a story on him coming up soon. You guys should all read it. Uh, Just... He made a big run to the A-Main of the Knoxville Nationals last year, started relatively high uh, on kind of a shoestring, you know, part-time farmer budget. And he picked up a ton of sponsors and it's just giving him the ability to drive the car closer to the edge uh, from what he said to me. So we've done a couple of good interviews with him um, the last few weeks. Uh, Check those out on YouTube and that story will be coming pretty soon. Uh, I mean, the guy... It's just a dream story, um as far as what that race does and what you can do for yourself uh during a week in August in Iowa. So, you guys got anything else? Or are we going to let them get into Carson Macedo?
3: I think we get, let them get into Carson Macedo.
1: Let's hear from Carson. No, that was the most AI sounding.
3: Yeah, I sounding like. Speech. I started to stutter, and I was like. Don't get it. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. Uh, appreciate you all for listening. I uh, hope you enjoy um, both these interviews. They were both fantastic. I think you guys will like them a lot. And you can bonk me because I think at one point during the Tommy Joe interview, I was talking about hollers failing on him, and I said, go down on you. So <laughs> look out for that. That's a good, I didn't even catch that. I, I thought you guys were laughing at me when I said it. So I was, getting, I was like, shoot, I shouldn't have
3: phrased it like that. That's really funny. I would have not even remembered that that happened until you brought it up.
1: So. No harm, no foul. Uh, <laughs> enjoy, enjoy both these guys. Appreciate y'all for listening. And uh, another shout out to the Carl Auto Group. We love them. All right guys, we now welcome on a very special guest. It is the 2021 National Open winner uh, over at Williams Grove. The uh, owner of three World of Allies wins this season in a series leading uh, 24 top tens and the World of Allies points lead coming into this week. It's Carson Macedo. Uh, Carson, thanks for taking the time, man.
0: Yeah, no problem. Happy to be on.
1: So all the late model fans that listen to this are gonna be pissed off. I've texted Bobby Pierce. He didn't want to come on before the race he thought it was going to jinx him before the dirt late model dream this week i need your dream winner prediction carson do you pay attention um, enough to lay models to throw one out there
0: yeah i mean it's pretty hard to you know root against jonathan davenport at eldora he's pretty extraordinary there i mean he's won how many world One Hundreds the Eldora million he's just you know really decorated but um yeah i don't know like a whole lot of late model guys uh as far as like on a personal level but I'd probably say my prediction would probably be Davenport. Uh, I think that Devin Moran is pretty good. Uh it seems like he has a a pretty good shot. Um I wanna say that what's who's the seventy eight cards? That that's Moran, isn't it?
1: Um that's no Moran's in the ninety nine this year, right, Damon? I okay, no so yes.
0: who's, who's in the seventy eight? Big sexy or whatever they call it. Oh seventy overton. Yep. overton that's the one i'm talking about when
1: you get yeah. into those numbers that are that big yeah. you really got to pull because if you're like one off you're i mean yeah. you were throwing my mind i thought you were going with ross bales and i was like i don't know yeah. if seen that guy no. won a race in three years no, no disrespect overton.
0: but he rips at eldora too i feel like he his has. stuff's really good at eldora overton um that chris madden yeah uh, i would say probably them three guys seem like they're elite at that place and always seem to run really good um, but that's who i meant was Brandon overton
1: yeah all good out of out of all those guys or out of all the lay model guys which one would you uh choose to drink some beers with by fire um man i'm had hard I, questions earlier on this
0: one gordy gundaker like i see
1: of, he's at the top of my list too
0: yeah gordy's a good dude i mean i haven't really you know got to like party a bunch with gordy but a little bit amount a little amount of time that I've spent with him, he's been a really good dude. And, uh, you know, I always, he's a friend of mine. I just haven't hung out with him a whole lot, like had, you know, all night benders or anything like that, but seems like a good <laughs> dude. All
1: right, Carson. So the, uh, the new, uh, format for this year's, uh, Eldora million, um, came out today. Uh, for, I got to get this out of the way before we get into it, but are you a, a big invert guy or no? Big what? Are you a big invert guy? Do you like seeing, you know, qualifying time not, and?
0: uh but I, but I'm not a, you know, I'm. I do it for a living, so, uh, for me, it's just a pain a lot of the times. I feel like, um, you see if you guys catch that invert and end up on the right side of it, but for the most part, you know, it's so tough on the World of Outlaw Tour full time. Uh, we put an, a massive emphasis on time trials, so. I mean, for us, it, you know, our cars are made to time trial well. We've trained ourselves as drivers at time trial well. And so it's really never any good when we have to penalize the guys at time trial well, in my opinion. But, you know, ultimately, Eldora is the one putting up the money and they want to put on a show for the fans.
1: So if you're listening at home and you're a little confused, uh, they're basically going to take points from the prelim night. Um, someone's going to spin the, the wheel of doom that I wish they'd light on fire at some point uh, in the near future. Um, and then the next day that will invert the heats either by eight, nine or ten. So an extreme invert, no option of zero uh, kind of stinks. I wanted to ask you, Carson, do you think guys and it's almost a harder skill to do than trying to qualify fast. But do you think guys are going to try to miss the top spot by so much to get in that invert line and get a better spot in turn?
0: Man, that's so hard to do. Um, I feel like, you know, I feel like that's just tough to do. I I, I don't know. Maybe Uh, I've seen guys try to sandbag in the past and they end up missing the invert. Also, though, you know, did
1: we do that at Eldora in the last couple of years?
0: I know gravel tried that, you know, I know him at the 41, they gave it a shot and just, they missed it. And then he had to work super hard in the heat. So I just don't know. I mean, I, I mean, we'll have to see when we get there, but that's the toughest part, right? Like I, I've said this for a long time. I think that you know, so many people compare the Kings Royal to the Knoxville Nationals. And in my opinion, it's just not even in the same zip code. Um, you know, the Knoxville Nationals pays extremely well throughout the entire field. Um, it's just a, I mean, it's 10 grand to start. Yeah. It doesn't pay 175 to win. It pays, or I think now it does pay 175 to win. So, um, you know, you can kind of, I shouldn't say luck into it, but, you can definitely have luck go your way and give you a really good shot at winning the King's Royal where the Knoxville nationals, nobody looks into the Knoxville nationals. You got to be good all week. You got to perform at your best all week long. You got to put in a good prelim night. You got to run a 50 lap feature at Knoxville, which nobody wins that by luck. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I just think that the Eldora millions, it sounds like it's going to be a little bit of the same. Um, And I think maybe that's how they get more guys to show up, Uh, you know, giving them the harder, I I guess inverts just make it tougher on the guys that are fast. So, um, yeah, that's my opinion
4: do you think that do you think that going to Eldora where generally the racing for the most part pretty good I mean you guys can can utilize multiple lanes for the most part do you think that that's going to help with the invert if you get stuck uh, being in that 8 nine10 spot
0: yeah I do think that I do think that it'll help but I, man you see a lot of the times the feature races are really racy at Eldora Mm-hmm. Um, for us and the wings per car stuff, I mean, it's tough, you know, the heat races, you see it at, I guess at the Kings Royal. you know, they try and prep the track a little bit on the slicker side so that we don't have, you know, so we have a racy heat race, which maybe sure. they'll do that too. Um, you know, I feel like they always seem to put it together and make it a really good show no matter what. So I think the fans are in for a treat. They're putting up a million bucks and you know, we can have our opinions all day, but we're not putting our money where our mouth is, you know, they are, and ultimately we're all going to show up and we're going to try and run for that big prize. Um, and, and, you know, we're all extremely excited about, it. I know from for myself and for JJR and Philip and Clyde, Nate, and our family, I mean, everybody is, is pumped. So, um, it should be a great show
1: so for you uh coming into i believe they're calling it the premier chevy dealers clash at knoxville raceway two weekends in a row that we've had a clash and the only california representative we can come up with is you uh to resemble the nascar clash so changing names all that stuff um But you've so there's been six uh, outlaw shows at Knoxville over the past three seasons. I think you also won a weekly show. But all six of those races, you finished in the top five. You've also matched your Friday and Saturday finishes. Um, with two wins in 2021, uh, two fifths last year, and then two, uh, well, three fourth place finishes uh, in 2020. But you're a guy that always kind of runs really well at Knoxville and you run really well at the Crown Jewel racetracks. Um, And a lot, you know, obviously that gets the hype up for you and your team going into those races, but there's kind of a different luck level and skill level that comes into those weekends um as opposed to this what do you I, you can call a warm-up weekend i guess but what what are your thoughts and goals going into this weekend's racing in knoxville
0: yeah i think i mean i think that it's no different than it seems like all these crown jewels like at least for eldora and knoxville their warm-up weekends never seem to translate over to the Nationals or the Kings Royal, for instance. Like, we'll go there for the Let's Race 2 at Eldora. And, it, it, you know, because they have non-wing sprint cars there, it never seems to be the same as the Kings Royal track. Uh, and I think Knoxville is very similar. You know, I feel like for whatever reason, um, I think maybe because we have so many cars, like the 360s are there as well, or... I'm not hundred percent sure why, but it always seems like the track is a little bit different for these races, these this, you know, two race deal than it is at the nationals. But, you know, in the past, it seems like I've, you know, especially JJR and the 41 team, they've been able to, you know, pivot at both scenarios. It seems like our car's been very good, whether it be those two races or whether it be the nationals. I just feel like the nationals usually slows down a little bit more. Track doesn't have quite as much meat on the bottom. And you typically see a lot, you know, slicker surface, uh, you know, come August. So I'm feeling pretty confident. I love Knoxville. I mean, it's probably my favorite track. One of my favorite tracks. I know it's one of Phillip's favorite tracks. I know he's super excited to get over there and, um, we're looking forward to it, man. We're, we, we love Knoxville. We love being there. We love, you know, dingus, uh, we love everything. (laughs) So, uh, we're looking forward to it and, you know, our sponsor, you know, Dennis Allbaugh's in Ankeny, Iowa. He, you know, is very familiar with Knoxville, and I'm, I'm not sure 100 percent if he's going or not. But it, you know, we're kind of in his backyard, which is special. And you know, anytime we go to Knoxville, we're looking to to, to grab a win
4: what what is it about knoxville that you guys just have figured out run so well i mean you look back over the years that 41 car has been in victory lane there a lot over the the last few seasons and yourself being up front a lot and at knoxville what is it that you like so well what is it that philip likes so well about that track
0: I think Phil just has an extremely good package there. I mean, he won nationals with Jason he's won the nationals with David gravel. Uh, you know, he's, he's really ran good there with, with multiple different drivers now. And I think for me personally, I like Knoxville a lot. I enjoy racing there. I think Knoxville is like one of the biggest chess games, uh, that we have in a racetrack. I feel like you can run an unpreferred lane all the time for the most part. If somebody enters in front of you and, there's just, it's so much of a, of a a diverse chess game, the whole race, in my opinion, like the way guys move around, it's really an art to win there, get around good there and do a good job consistently. So I think Phil's got an extremely good package. I think he just knows what works there. I think Phil's really good at watching the race car and seeing what adjustments it needs. And when you race on a half mile, you can really see that, uh, you know, which way the car moves around where in a quarter mile, you're kind of you're out there cowboying around and it's harder to see because the car makes a lot of movement based on where the driver's pointing it uh so you know i think phil does a good great job adjusting i think ultimately it's a team effort too and i think that phil you know has had some really good drivers that have you know been able to help him you know see what he needs to see with what the car's doing i think jason was extremely good at knoxville um as a driver uh, you know, I know David Gravel has had a lot of success there and several cars and didn't, you know, the 41 just propelled to that next level. And I feel like it's done the same for me, you know, like we were, I was able to be fast there in the two car back at KLR, but never the kind of speed and, and consistency that that 41 shows there. So, um, you know, I think Phil makes a you know, good driver look great there. And, uh, I'm definitely thankful to be driving the 41. That's for sure.
1: I alluded to... Go ahead, Damon, you're good. I I was just
4: going to go back to something that really uh, was sticking with me. You you talked about how the tracks from Eldora and Knoxville when you go there the first time for these you know these two day shows before you go to the big show do you feel that those tracks are weather impacted when it comes to it you know you get these this race this weekend in June and it hasn't gotten a lot of heat yet on it uh obviously it's been underwater quite a bit this year so far but by the time you get to August you know you've gone through the entire month of June where we're seeing 90s you go through the entire month of July where it's 90s and now uh like you said a lot of tracks going on especially or a lot of races going on there in August do you think that it's a weather impacted thing as well
0: yeah I do I I mean it's hotter obviously in the month of August and then July when we race the Kings Royal so That makes a lot of sense, and that's something that probably I haven't really thought of. I feel like Eldora is actually the opposite of what Knoxville is. So we go to Knoxville earlier in the year. You're right; like the temperature is typically a little bit cooler. It seems like the track sticks around a little bit more, and we just have more distinct grip or ways to connect grip, and uh, seems like the bottom sticks around a little bit more. And um, where then we go there in August, and it's usually you know tougher to make those grippy patches work because there's not much of that left. And I feel like they're just a week long of everybody racing on that same track. And it's hard for them to, you know, keep it that grippy. And then at the same time, also just trying to make sure that the Saturday night show is slick and racy and you know, they don't have a whole lot of time on that track on Saturday. So I don't think that they want, you know, I don't think that they want the any of them prelim races or the final race being wide open. Um, where we see the total opposite of Eldora, I feel like we go to Eldora and it's earlier in the year and technically it should be cooler and you maybe should see the track be faster, but we run, you know, two classes, non-wing sprint cars and wing sprint cars and then non-wing cars just, I mean, they just leave nothing left. It seems like every bit of grip is out there that they can find, they use it up and then it ends up being a total ice skating rink. Uh, and then we'll go there, you know, the non-wing cars, the biggest thing I'll say is they depend on the cushion all the way around the corner. So when they enter the corner, they're they're leaned up against it. They're leaned up against it in the center and then they depend on it to propel them up off the corner where we can kind of run down into the corner under our wing and short slide it to get to the cushion, kind of grab it in the center and then drive back off and make excess speed going straight. And so we don't wear out the entry and the exit too much. And so I think that the track at the Kings Royal typically stays a little bit faster. There seems to be a little bit easier to run the top. Um, just a little bit more connected grip. It seems like, so, um, it's opposites, but you know, it makes for a tricky deal when those races come the month of money.
4: It's funny. I, I just hope those people that are listening to this just heard that like you're a novice sprint car fan, or you've been uh, involved with racing for a long time. That was one of the best explanations of, of why there's a big difference that I've ever
1: heard. No, it's funny because I was walking the track with Emerson Axum on Saturday at Knoxville, and he's talking about how the wind guys are going to take the cushion or the berm that they just tilled and completely wipe it away. Like similar complaints just in the other direction. Uh, So it's funny how you say that.
0: Well, and and so are you talking about the cushion or the berm?
1: No, the berm. I just misspoke.
0: Yeah, so
1: obviously they're different things. I was just saying it's totally. Fun
0: that. Yeah, it's just a, to, a totally different deal. Like at Knoxville, the wing guys are going to wear the bottom out, where the non-wing guys really can't. You know, it's just so much harder for them to get their car turned. And mm. if they miss the grip by any any small amount, they're they're sliding all the way to the cushion. So they're most likely most of the time Knoxville's always won non-wing sprint car racing around the top. I mean, you see Brady go down to the bottom and make it work, you know, or the rubber lays down, but typically everybody's ripping the top. Where wing sprint car racing is different, we can run in there under our wing and run the bottom uh, and stick it a lot easier than them guys can in the non-wing sprint cars. Are not. So it's just so flat. You know, they need banking in order to to kind of run anywhere, I think, or a mm-hmm. cushion, like
1: absolutely have you uh have you and philip kind of looked at uh the tracks that have rubbered up a little bit in recent weeks in the midwest i know we had that weekend with jackson uh knoxville and then houston's on that monday race and it, i've heard a lot of different reasonings i feel like you'd be a guy that might know why some of these tracks are rubbering up between the new tires is it the really dry weather we're having uh around here what do you, what do you guys i guess think is the answer to that
0: yeah. What's crazy is I actually think that the opposite is happening with the new tires. I mean, I think that the new tires are probably promote less rubber because, you know, they're harder compound. Ultimately mm-hmm. they're not, they seem to be out of the racetrack more to me than, than the old tires where our left rears are smashing through. So, you know, again, it puts you out of the track and we've had to manipulate our cars. I feel like to get them back in the track. And I just think that yeah, I don't really know. I mean, I, I guess uh, you're saying maybe Knoxville and Houston. Is that mostly what you're talking about?
1: Yeah, um, my buddy, actually, he's uh, Knoxville Mots on Twitter, but he sent it to me. Um, he said Jackson on that Friday, Saturday last week at Knoxville, uh, the second of the back, the Memorial Day Houston show, I guess. Uh, Tri-State on that Wednesday with High Limit. Uh, and then river cities in dodge county last friday uh and the non-wing race at the end um saturday at knoxville that's the entire list i guess
0: yeah so if that
1: helps you make any more sense I
0: mean, You sit rubbers up all the time so it's right. like, i mean that's that's not really a surprise i mean and it's nobody's fault i think that the queering family does an extremely good job. I mean, that facility state of the art, they they put in their heart and soul into it to try and make it not take rubber. It just, I don't know why it does that, but it's like the minute that it cleans off, you know, they have to, you see them. I mean, they're trying their best. They're reworking it to try and get it to not take rubber. I mean, at the, at the hundred thousand last year or, or whatever it was, yeah. you know, I mean, it was wide open lockdown the first, I don't know how many laps. And then it took rubber at the end. Like it's oh, hard to control that. Um, Jackson's kind of the same, really, like, unless Jackson has grip on the bottom to throw dirty track across the racetrack and dirty it up, it's almost a guarantee that it's going to take rubber the minute it gets clean. Um, you know, Tri-City was pretty good, really, I thought, like, Tri-City rubber just right at the end, which is probably the most ideal for a racetrack, really. Like, the track's right, you know, usually the best right before it takes rubber, so, if it rubbers up the last five laps or whatever, that's that's pretty good in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean Knoxville taking rubber, I just think that's just a lot of cars on the racetrack. Um, you know, if I remember right, I think they had three o fives, four tens, and non-wing sprint cars.
1: It was and, just it was just two on Saturday, but it's uh, still still stick sixty cars.
0: Still, you know, yeah. I mean, I just think. I just think it's just a lot of race cars on the track. They're trying to get the track good, but at the same time, you know, yeah, I mean, I think they're trying to get the track good and racy, but at the same time, eventually it's got to clean off and take rubber.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, mean, in the same time too, we could have two weekends with no issue, even two races this weekend with no issues and just go around and be like, I guess it was nothing.
0: It would blow me away if it took rubber this weekend
1: yeah i think so with me too i know uh the track guys there do just an insane job there's a guy named uh brad Shear. we're tr- gonna get him on this podcast at some point but he told me like during nationals he'll wake up at he'll go to sleep at 4 a.m wake up at 7 and then ride his atv down the racetrack and get to work
0: Every- yeah, crazy. crazy
1: damon you got anything else I mean, I guess when
4: when you go into this weekend, you're riding the momentum you have been with the point standings and everything on that front. When when does it? Because this is a, a debate Connor always has with all these all these people is <laughs> is outlaw points too hard to to determine early in the year? You're racing for points. When do you start really paying attention to where you're at in
0: the standings? Oh, I mean Volusia in February. Every race. Thank you, Carson. I appreciate yeah. it. Felusia, Volusia in February. I mean every race matters. when you look at the world of outlaw points at the end of the year, there's you know it usually comes down to like two, three races. I mean, I know for me last year, I, racers got sh- short memories and they remember everything uh, that's you know bad and the short memory is usually the good time. So you know I remember last year we didn't have an engine run at Sharon. We had some issues with just I mean nobody's fault. We um, were light at the scales of the Grove. I wrecked at Cedar Lake uh and i wrecked to the grove so you know those four nights basically they they kept us from winning the championships so that
1: was a short memory that you had.
0: yeah well <laughs> the good times the good times right like the, when you when you when you're running good you forget about those nights it's the ones that you, you look back and you're like man, i wish we would have done that different and uh, ultimately that's what you do when you're you know when you're running against brad and david and donnie and these guys i mean they just don't make very many mistakes but now. Okay. So I, th- we start, you know, you have to begin with the end in mind and it's important to think about those things at being the year. There's no doubt. And every race matters. So you got to start thinking about it at the beginning of the year. You got to race your year to win a championship or you're never going to win. One. Um, mm-hmm. but ultimately the championship is really just the outcome, right? Like that's the outcome goal is to win the championship. Just like when we show up to the races, the outcome goal is to win the race. Mm -hmm. But it's all the process goals that we worry about, not the outcome. So the outcome is winning the championship. Yes, that's something that we worry about. And that's something that is the goal when we start the season. But ultimately we go, how do we win the championship at JJR anyway? We say, how do we win the championship? Okay. We win the championship by showing up every night and finishing the race. We show up every night and we give our best effort to qualify. Well, so that we can put ourselves in the dash. We put ourselves in the dash. Good things are going to happen. We, you know, we show up every day and as a team, we, we get along. We, we work on what our goals are to be a better team together so that we can accomplish better things. You know, as a driver for me, I go home, I, I get my mind right. I talk to a sports psychologist. I go to the gym every day. My guys are getting my car ready. They're not missing a beat they're They're making sure every bolt's tight. They're making sure that our engines are running good. They're making sure that everything's right. Those are the process goals that win a championship. And so when we show up in Belusha, yes, that is our goal, but what we're worried about is not the end goal. We're worried about the process and making sure that those things are done, so that at the end of the year we can look at those points and say, okay, well, where do we shake out? We did the process right, you know. We did all these things to 100% the best of our ability. If we don't win the championship at that point, well, then it wasn't meant to be, mm-hmm. so um, that's the way we approach it. And uh, you know, we're looking forward to you know continuing those process goals. I know for me, I'm I'm probably more dedicated and more. Uh, you know, physically focused, mentally focused than I've ever been. And, uh, you know, we're just going to keep punching forward. And, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, it's like, it's like when I, I remember one of my first opportunities, I felt like on the big stage, when I went and ran the 41 in Oxville. You know, I, I said, I'm going to show up there. I'm going to give it my best ever. I'm gonna give it my best shot. And if I suck, well then that's how, that's how it was meant to be. So, uh, you yeah, know that's what we do w- with the championship as well.
1: Do you still have that dry race board, uh, in the holler?
0: Yeah, that was written on it. We never really edited it because it was sort of just a cool thing. And, and, you know, it's, it's, that's what JJR is all about. I feel like the process was started a long time ago and we're just kind of continuing that on. So it's good. It's good.
1: Absolutely. And then, you complimented Todd Quering too much on this episode. I was going to see how the rivalry with David Gravel's going, and if we could get like a fake fight set up or anything like that.
0: Yeah, David would probably love that because he loves media and 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 uh, and the uh, and the you know social media and all that. I I David's you know me and David are friends. We've always been friends. We we've, we've always been a you. Know, close actually B- hung out I mean he comes to California my cousin now basically married in cousin drew Warner is you know just married my cousin Marissa Facino and you know we've always been friends they, he'll go stay over there with them and uh but uh yeah it was a weird you know I I I felt like I went online and tried to you know dissolve the situation me and gravel had spoke at the racetrack you know I tried to to apologize there online. And, you know, his family was super upset and, uh, you know, yeah, but no, I mean, t- t- Todd, you know, he was at the races last weekend and said hello to me. We, I think he's a great guy. I think a lot of the two team, I've got nothing but respect for him. And, um, the last thing I want to do is wear him out trying to race for a championship. I wouldn't want him to do that to me. So, uh, you yeah, know, I felt bad about it and we just gotta move on and, and keep, keep doing our jobs.
1: And then on the same lines and sorry, we left the tough questions for the end. That's on, that's on us. We got to get these out of the way sooner. Uh, With Cole, uh, with Cole's accident, was it last week? Um, I, was it Shuhart that tweeted that's a Macedo or was that Bill Rose's quote?
0: Yeah, no, that was Logan. Um, He, you know, he made that comment and uh, Cole's just a separate person. You know what I mean? Cole's his own person. Yeah. And I really have nothing to do with that wreck at all. And that was uh weird comment to make i feel like um you know in the aspect that i I just i just think that i was running my own race minding my own business i mean really kind of just running a nice clean race running second uh you know he got collected and i think that's just you know those comments are made out of personal frustration uh at the end of the day he's not upset with me he's upset that he got collected right so he's gonna you know, he's gonna make a comment to backlash at me, which is fine. If that makes him feel better at the end of the day and that makes him sleep better at night. Um, you know, and makes him think that his team's gonna go faster, you know, throwing that kind of stuff out online, saying those kind of things on social media and all that, that's fine with me. It doesn't bother me one bit
1: that's right and you're a guy that i mean you you remind me a ton of casey kane as a kid i was telling damon earlier when you went to adjust the lighting in the background for the interview i said that's exactly something like 2000s nascar casey kane would do uh and you're never gonna overstep and make those statements so if you need us to make any statements for you damon there's one point where we we had eight episodes in a row where he was trashing logan and logan stats Yeah. And then we had Logan on and Damon conveniently had an appointment during his interview. So we haven't gotten to set that up, but we can kind of tag team you two with it.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I mean, man, it's just, it's just sprint car racing in general is this way. You know, Mm -hmm. no matter how you slice it, when you get to the upper echelon of the sport you're in the world of outlaw tour, there's tons of eyes on you all the time. Nowadays with dirt vision and social media gives everybody a voice. Everybody gets to watch every lap. Uh, we get to make split second decisions at a hundred and some mile an hour on the, on the racetrack. And we're expected to not only perform well and, and win races, but also finish races. Don't run into anybody and make sure you keep everybody happy around you. And that's just yeah. not realistic though. That's fantasy land. And we know that. And so ultimately we're going to do our very best to make sure that we win races, finish races and keep everybody happy. But it just doesn't always work out that way and you know ultimately if you if you have really thin skin and you every, you know every every little tweet that the armchair jockey's sitting at home you know right on there bothers you well then you're never right. gonna give her a- that's you damon so, okay all right i don't really i don't really worry too much about it it's not it's not even necessarily that it's it's ultimately it's just it's just a tough sport and uh you know you're expected to perform but you know it's it's i've always said like sprint car racing is the toughest sport because there's a, just that super fine line between hero and idiot mm-hmm. you know you're it's three wide you go to the outside you sweep around two guys you win the race and you know he's the best we've ever seen he's unbelievable and then that you move, run that same move next week and you you know go to fill the hole the, the hole closes up and you wreck everything and you destroy, you know, $90,000 worth of stuff. And then there, what an idiot, we would never hire him clown. <laughs> you know? So it's a tough deal.
1: All right. And then, uh, last thing for me is what, what is one thing Carson Macedo has to do to win the world of Outlast championship this year?
0: Oh, just stay focused. I mean, ultimately, like I said, just process goals. This is it's a process. And, um, that's what we're going to keep continue to do is just stick to the process.
4: Damon you got anything else I'm good this has been this has been good and certainly looking forward to seeing what you got this weekend
0: thanks for having me on guys I appreciate it of course thanks Carson appreciate you right on. take it easy see it all
1: right guys we are now joined by a very special guest Uh, once went back to back uh, 20th best XFINITY racing uh, driver in the NASCAR XFINITY series it says that in his Twitter bio and he's on our podcast this week after basically a weekend of hell, it seemed like, Tommy, thanks a ton for uh, taking the time to come on our show, our little show over here after the weekend that you guys had at Portland.
5: No problem, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: Anytime. Uh, I, I want to start with an easy question, just get to know you a little bit. You are you went to Ole Miss, correct? I did. I want to yeah. know how much you hate Mississippi State.
5: Uh gosh. Uh, like a 1 to 10?
1: Probably yeah, that's like right. Or you can talk crap about Dak Prescott for a little bit. It's really...
5: A, <laughs> you know what's weird about It's like, I really don't hate Dak. But I I tell you that the Mississippi State hate is probably like a, oh gosh, probably it's way up there. It's probably like a nine out of 10.
1: I love it. I love it. Uh, we, uh, we're we big into college football in Iowa. So Iowa State gets a lot of the same vibes to me, <laughs> I guess, uh, on a smaller scale than Ole Miss Miss State.
5: Yeah, I would tell you that the, the lead up to that game is about as nasty as it's going to get. So uh, that week is a, you know, the thing is, is like anytime we're talking about college football, it stinks because I mean, I would go to so many games, you know, when I was there or kind of around in the area, even close to living in Oxford. I mean, I basically took the the seven year path to getting a degree. So I took my time uh, because I was racing at the time, kind of going back and forth and uh, even when I was living in Nashville after college, I mean, I would still go back to so many games. But now, you know, with, with being in in the Xfinity series and being uh, in the truck series and racing so much, I mean, during college football season is just extended racing season. So I just don't be, I'm not able to get to as many games as I'd really like to get to. I mean, Old Miss has been so cool. They've reached out and uh, extended an invite to games and, and wanted me to go to games. And, and I just can't, <laughs> I can't make the time to get there, it seems like.
1: Would you ever uh, drive an expendi car out of the tunnel and lead the football team on the field if logistics worked out?
5: Well, we talked about it. We talked about doing it, and we just the problem is I kept I keep driving for small teams or owning small teams. It's just hard for us to spare a car.
1: <laughs> yeah. So this weekend I, we got to push for that. We're going to campaign for that. We're going to do what we can. I don't know if we'll make it happen uh, on our end, uh, but we'll, we'll certainly to help you take credit if it ever does happen for you but you guys went out to portland and you have one hauler that breaks down in st louis you have another that breaks down in kansas city and i gotta imagine for you just in those moments uh and you kind of pointed out you know your logistics and organizing and you know not being really prepared for two haulers to go down on you but what what do you what was going through your head when all those issues were piling up
5: I mean, it's just a very helpless feeling. Uh, we constantly work on deadlines, right? Uh, every weekend is a deadline for sponsors, drivers, uh, all the people that are, are basically paying our race team and funding us to go racing. So when you have breakdowns like we did, uh, immediately your concern turns to, are we going to be able to meet a deadline? And and what are the solutions to, to getting our stuff there? It, and it's a very helpless feeling uh, to know that your stuff is just sitting on the side of the road and it's up to you to come up with a plan of how to, how to fix it. Um, and that was it. I mean, that, that was probably the most challenging week that I've ever, ever had as a, as a team owner or really just involved in racing at all. Um, you know, it, luckily enough, when I was just driving for Carl long or BJ McLeod or any of the teams that I drove for, if, if those things ever happened, I promise they never got, they never got to me. So really living through it this week, <laughs> Uh, it was really, really tough and I just can't thank everybody enough for all the help that I got from, uh, all the people really close to the race team that, that I reach out to in these kind of times. And, um, uh, and also our hauler drivers for just being absolute troopers and, and managing all this. I mean, we, we literally got a guy out to, uh, to Portland and then basically flew him back to St. Louis to then pick up another trailer and then drive back by himself. I mean, now that is the ultimate trooper move right there. He didn't even get to enjoy the race in Portland. He was busy driving a truck from, uh, from Sonoma or from St. Louis to Sonoma. So, I mean, that's, that's being pretty dedicated. So, I mean, I've, I've seen how everybody responds and, and kind of in crisis uh, here in the team and uh, all the drivers, all the sponsors were so, uh, re- really so understanding and it really just has taught me a lot about crisis management. Cause I could tell you last Wednesday, it was probably, that was probably the darkest <laughs> day. Um, and then on Thursday, you're kind of coming up with solutions. And and by the time we got to Friday, even though the, the haulers were very late getting there, NASCAR was so understanding of uh, of our issues and, and even helped out when the second truck broke down in Oregon, they actually, Helped out, coordinated with the track for me to be able to get a truck out there to kind of finish pulling our trailer the rest of the way. So even through all of it, I felt like everybody worked together really well and um, just really, really glad, really glad it's over. Now we're in the solutions phase and, and how to make <laughs> things better.
2: I suppose it, you know, was magnified too by the fact that you guys were delayed the previous week. So you, you know, were essentially behind a day too than what you would normally be.
5: Right. I mean, that, that Tuesday start compared to what was really going to be a Monday morning start for us. I mean, it basically cost you 24 hours, right? Which when you look at us showing up, what was essentially six hours late. I mean, that, that winds up being a pretty big difference because even through all the trouble there, we probably still would have made it on time if we weren't delayed. But at the same time, that's something that everybody kind of had to fight through, um, including the NASCAR haulers and everything like that. So, when I look at, you know, what we can do better, obviously um, we've looked at a lot of options now and, and clearly um, we need to have better backup plans. And it's, it's something this is teaching me, you know, as a guy that's running a team really for the, for the second year, I mean, Martin's motorsports was my team. And I would tell you that I made a lot of decisions involved in those two years there at Martin's motorsports. And even the times when we were in the truck series and everything else, but, uh, really here at alpha prime. I mean, I'm running all the day-to-day operations more so than I ever did. So I'm kind of learning here. This is really my second year of doing it. Uh, Definitely the first year of doing it with two trucks on the road (laughs) ever in my life. So I've I've learned a lot about the scale and and some of the contingency plans we need to have.
2: Now tell us too, like, so I know there were some comments on Twitter and stuff like that. um, You know, kind of giving you crap for not having two drivers on the road together and, uh, kind of walk us through, you know, you kind of explain that situation, but, you know, tell us why, you know, you don't have two drivers on the road for a semi compared to like maybe some other
5: teams. Yeah. And and it's something that I've pursued now multiple times. Uh, and I've dealt with it a lot of different ways. I've, I've done this before, um, in past years with Martin's Motorsports and, uh, even with uh, here with Alpha prime where I've just gone out and got another driver, right? It's not, it's not hard to find another driver. There are plenty of drivers that want to help and want to do it. Um, that's not really the issue. The issue is for your primary driver, they feel a lot better about the whole situation. If it's somebody that they know that they have driven with, that they are comfortable with, you got to think about it, man, they're going to get in the back seat of a, a, a trailer and truck while it's rolling down the road and try to sleep and if they don't know it's a stranger right and that's kind of a weird thing uh, to ask somebody to do and and they're not super comfortable doing it and i've done it but it's not really a great situation um so i think the chemistry there is is an important thing and i had both of our truck drivers tell me that they would rather just do it solo they, they asked the people that they knew that they were comfortable with nobody was available they felt like leaving even on Tuesday, uh, if we were able to stick out and, and not really have major issues, which we wound up having major issues that they felt <laughs> like they would be able to make it no problem. And, and really, they, they really weren't that far off. Uh, if you think about it, uh, ultimately, I mean, we missed the deadline by basically six hours and we had without a doubt about 20 hours worth of issues. So, uh, I see that comment and obviously I think it's coming from a place of a little bit of ignorance because I'm dealing in the, the day to day of it. And I understand what these guys are telling me that they need. So obviously it's not me cutting corners. It's not about trying to save money because I mean, good grief. I wound up spending the money anyway. It's not about that. It's just about what are these drivers comfortable with? And in both cases, I had guys that, that were really more comfortable doing it solo.
4: So uh, I know, obviously, it's well-documented kind of for, for most of us and, and a lot of our, our listeners and, and people that are going to tune into this, but kind of explain, you know, what went down for you guys, what happened, what you found out since then as well a little bit.
5: Yeah, so what essentially wound up happening is uh, both the trailers left uh, Tuesday morning. Uh, one of them had issues with some tires. Uh, early Wednesday morning, uh, and really through that, that Tuesday night, um, got those handled, had another truck, uh, basically the other truck had a problem with the engine early Wednesday morning. Uh, this is all like over the course of the night, I was getting these phone calls. So that wasn't a lot of fun. By the way, I tell all my truck drivers just to preface all this story. I tell my truck drivers, if everything's good, do not call me. So So you knew knew the second you got a
1: phone call. Yeah.
5: Yeah. So as soon as I get a phone call at two o'clock in the morning, I already know something is horribly wrong Um, and they must be stuck on the side of the road somewhere. So I had one trailer uh, or one hauler call me and say, okay, we had tire blowout fixing that. All right. And then I had the other hauler call me and tell me, well, I'm having a little trouble with the def system in the truck um, but it seems like I can clear it out. It's okay. Okay, And then they both get going. The other trailer has another blowout shortly after that. and they realize that the problem is with the airbags. and they had blown an airbag out and they were sitting there waiting for uh, service for a little while. The other one winds up having more trouble with the engine and the def system and winds up getting stuck uh, in St. Louis, uh, which was kind of the closest place they could kind of get to. Uh, with the with the problem they were having and then they were kind of sitting around really waiting for a diagnostic pretty much all day on Wednesday we, we were trying to figure out could we fix this and get going again or did we need to come up with a with really a what was a major backup plan right And then the other trailer uh kind of got patched up tried to go down the road a little bit more it was all the way to Kansas City uh and eventually the airbags uh, were just not working which for all the listeners, Airbags basically lift the trailer up to where it's not riding so low on the tires and what was causing the blowout. So could not really get it fixed. So basically I had a trailer out of commission and I had a truck out of commission. Uh, I decided at the time, the move was to send the working truck back to St. Louis, which was about four hours back the other way, uh, to pick up the trailer that was working. And then we would just make up a plan to figure out the rest of it. And, uh, The rest of the plan involved sending a a smaller trailer, what would really be considered kind of a late model trailer. It was a a 48 foot trailer uh, from our shop with a dually pulling it to grab most of the stuff out of the trailer that was broken down and continue all the way uh, to Portland. So that's essentially what wound up happening is we had a trailer that was stuck in Kansas city. We had a truck that was stuck in St. Louis and it was us trying to figure out how to get everything up there. And then eventually as the truck that was working uh, with the trailer that was working got to Portland, the truck broke down uh, in Oregon. So then we had to send a truck <laughs> from the from the Portland Raceway to try to pick up the trailer and bring it the last two hours uh, to get it there. And then uh, we still have the truck trapped up there. Uh, we have now got a rental truck that has got our stuff over to Sonoma with the other trailer. So I now have three trailers in Sonoma and now our plan is figuring out how to get everything back.
1: Yeah. Uh, Tommy, obviously like just a lot of moving parts to that. And I know NASCAR takes a lot of heat for some of the decisions or penalties or, you know, whatever they seem to do. I wanted to know how much of a help were they uh, over the course of the past seven days?
5: Oh, extremely understanding. Uh, Jason Brownlow and Wayne Auten. Uh, Wayne Aughton is the series director Jason Brownlow assistant series director. They were both extremely helpful and understanding of all the problems we had. We were in communication with them pretty much the whole time. I think they expected some breakdowns. They expected some trouble. Uh, I think they knew this right with with that uh, kind of late, exit getting out of charlotte i think they kind of knew there would probably be some problems and the way they explained it to me when we got there was we knew there'd be an issue and we're sorry that it was you <laughs> so <laughs> they didn't think it would be both about trucks and trailers uh but ultimately i think they knew that put us in a pretty tight deadline
2: is the apart from nascar was there any other like teams that
5: reached out and offered any assistance at all oh yeah i mean i've had a lot of teams reach out and that's the thing it's such a tight-knit community uh it's a small group around in the nascar world and we had a lot of people kind of offering the help but it was about what made sense and and if all the help was coming from charlotte that really wasn't a lot of help at the time so we were trying to come up with other plans and the other people that we knew and i mean I, i have never used my phone as much as i have used it in the last Uh, week of my life it has rang off the hook so I mean there's been so many people that have offered help but it was really more about you know what what made sense if if I borrowed somebody's truck when was it coming back how many miles was I really going to put on it Uh, a trailer would it fit my pit equipment would that fit in there Uh, or was there no sense in bringing it so there was a lot of other stuff going on there but but ultimately we had so many people offer help and, and I'm and I'm so thankful for all the community reaching out and trying to help
0: Yeah,
2: that's why I was curious because that's the kind of unique thing about racing is uh, I feel like it's the one sport where you help your competitors more, you know, than anything else. The same guys that you're competing against are the same ones that will loan you a tool or a trailer or offer assistance. So uh, that's always cool. Just, you know, didn't didn't make sense, you know, at the right time. But Yeah, I was going to say too, Tommy, uh,
1: and thanks again with, because I think you've already touched on things that I didn't realize went into the issues like the holler drivers, you know, wanting to have a relationship if they're going to be going up and down the road with each other. I think that's a really unique aspect that a ton of fans aren't taking into account.
5: Yeah. And and that might be as simple as I'm hiring two drivers for a team. I mean, a lot of bigger teams, uh, wind up having two drivers per team uh, just to try to avoid, you know, the additional stress on one driver and all that. Obviously, we're we're not we're not junior motorsports. I don't have two drivers per team, um, but at the same time, you know, those guys are looking for that comfort when, whenever they're going to be driving a really long haul. So, ultimately, that's the longest one we've got. So, if I had two guys that were willing to do it by themselves, I'm not going to tell them. I'm not going to force somebody on them. But I think ultimately. What I've realized now is whether they like it or not, um, we probably want to have two for those long hauls. In this instance, though, guys, keep something in mind. If the trailer's sitting on the side of the road, it doesn't matter if you got two drivers or not, uh, because they're both just going to be sitting there. And now you got two guys that you got to try to figure out what to do something (laughs) with. So it wouldn't really help me a whole lot at the time, the fact that we had two drivers. That really did cost us any time other than maybe a couple of hours when the guys rested. But I'm just telling you, they didn't really rest a whole lot.
1: And it sounds like it sounds like you don't need the two drivers. But if I can pitch a solution to you, I don't know how many apply for the job when it comes open. And I don't think me or Damon can drive a hauler. But if you need a couple guys to come down and have some beers with all the hauler guys, we can match them up chemistry-wise around a. Okay. Well, it was about eight or ten <laughs> beers.
5: I can look, man. I can tell you, we're we're a pretty good beer drinking team already. <laughs> so I know you guys would throw right in.
4: I like this already, man.
3: <laughs> so
5: you mentioned the the long haul,
3: obviously uh, from Charlotte to Portland, and I know that after Sonoma there is an off week. Um, In your opinion, do you think that maybe moving the off week to before Portland to kind of give teams like yours the extra chance to prepare for that long haul would be beneficial? Or do you think it makes any difference at all?
5: I think it would make a lot of difference. In fact, that's the exact same thing that I told NASCAR last year when they asked me, uh, what could we do to make Portland better? I said, give us a break week beforehand and afterwards. Um, So yeah, I would definitely like to see that happen. But at the same time, there's a lot of considerations that goes into the NASCAR schedule. and They did give us a break week before Charlotte. That's why our cars were prepared well, and they can't control the weather. I mean, right? I mean, so we had our call. Uh, basically, our cars were ready Saturday, so the day of the Xfinity race there in, in Charlotte. Obviously, we didn't get as far into that race as we hoped we would. And really, I guess our haulers in a pinch could have left on sunday but instead we were kind of stuck waiting for the end of the xfinity race which really didn't end until super late monday night so uh, ultimately i don't think it was that big of a factor it was probably more of a rain factor than anything else being honest but at the same time yes i mean i would love to see that that we could be opened up. I mean, it's not just the fact that there's a race in Portland guys, that this is something to keep in mind. It's the fact that it's a road course race in Portland, which there is more care and maintenance that goes into road course cars than pretty much any other car we have other than a speedway car. Uh, you have to replace brakes and rotors and service, all that and cooling for all the brakes and rotors. And the transmissions have to be gone through and the drive shafts have to be gone through. And every single part in the rear end has to be gone through because how many times you wind up looking, you know, locking the rear end up and and wheel hopping and everything else you got. It is so stressful to suspension parts and the chassis itself. And it just takes extra time. It, it, you know, our guys are awesome. They're doing it on a small team anyway, but a road course car, it just takes a little bit more time and that kind of bleeds into a short week. We call them short weeks at Alpha Prime where it's a it's a week where the hauler has to leave before Wednesday is a short week. Uh, because really what you're looking for is a three day work week. Well, in the in the case of Portland, you really got a one day work week. So pretty much all the week has all the work has to be done the week before. And if it's not, then you're gonna wind up being late.
1: In that same area, I know a lot of fans ask for more standalone Xfinity and truck events, specifically on short tracks that maybe haven't had a cup race in recent years and stuff like that. Where do you kind of sit on that opinion? Because I know it's got to be hard for you guys to find pit crews when the Cup Series is racing elsewhere that weekend, right?
5: Yeah, and that's a good observation because so many of us use crews that are Affiliated with Cup teams, and that's one of the reasons that that Portland race was a three-minute break. Um, is just because of the logistics of trying to get all the pit crews there, versus where they were in St. Louis for the truck in and Cup race. So uh, that's kind of the big factor. Uh, all the the pit crew guys really are connected very much in all three series. So triple header weekends honestly are are some of the easiest weekends on those guys on the pit crew guys um and i think that's why nascar's kind of built the schedule the way they have is a little bit of an understanding of kind of how the industry operates and and how that side of it operates personally i would tell you uh my opinion is that more standalones is perfectly fine I, i don't think there's anything wrong with the three minute breaks that we do um I would, I'm sure that all the viewing audience at the Portland race wouldn't say that, that really hurt the racing experience and the viewing experience at all. The fact that we didn't have live pit stops. So I've never seen that as an inhibitor for us. And in fact, when we don't have live pit stops, that's actually a cost savings for us. And the bigger of a team that we are now with, with three pit crews versus, you know, two or one, uh, I can tell you th- those savings are multiplied. So is it something that I'd like to see all the time? no but but more of them wouldn't be a problem for us and i don't really think it hurts the viewing experience so
4: you, you go from portland down to sonoma and so back-to-back road course races is that a benefit is that you know is that maybe a a negative to to have a back-to-back road course because you have to service these cars on the road you're not in your normal shops i'm guessing servicing cars or or is it is where does where do you guys
5: lie on that I think in theory, it's a really good idea. Honestly, Uh, I'll tell you that Damon. I I think the catch here is just our team and the scale that we are. It's really difficult to pull off. Um, So that's not really a a discredit to the idea. Cause I I think uh, teams that are a little more well-funded what they're doing when they run a hauler down the road here to a a race like Portland and, and Sonoma what they're doing is sticking two cars in the trailer, and that's it. They got one Portland car. They got a Sonoma car. Even if the Sonoma car is not completely ready, what they know is if they wreck in Portland, okay, we might have to thrash a little bit on this other car while we're out here in Sonoma, but but we can get it ready. Our team didn't have that. We really had one backup car for three cars. And so more than anything, it really affected how our guys were able to really run the race now I'll tell you that everybody did a terrific job I mean Leland was sick as a dog when he got in the car and and managed to take care of it for that first little bit and Brad Perez subbing in re- really did a great job all the way up until the last corner uh taking care of our stuff Jeffrey did a great job uh taking care of it and, and so did Dylan Lupton and everybody kind of knew the way that I I pitched it to him was what we're really running is an endurance race and it's not just at portland it's also at sonoma like you're not going to be good at sonoma if you don't get through this race cleanly and so i just wanted to it's not like we're sitting here telling them hey man don't go up there and race like that's not what it is it's just that hey just know you're really running one race It's just is going to take two weeks because we had the same stuff happen in the xfinity series before When we were running double headers, like, uh, during the COVID year in 2020, Richmond, we ran a double header Dover. We ran a double header and I was driving the car at the time. And I just told myself this first race doesn't matter. Like if it was a 400 lap race, uh, when we ran Dover, I think we ran 250 lap races. If I told you you had a 300 lap race, would you really be racing somebody super hard on lap 146? Probably not. And so that's it. I just tried to change the mindset of some of my guys as we went into it is go, okay, look, you got, you got a 150 lap road course race that you're about to run. And yeah, we're going to get to make some big adjustments during the middle of it during kind of the break week. Right. But, but ultimately you kind of got to run the same car here. And if you go tearing it up, it's really not going to be very good for the last half of the race. Um, and I think all the guys really took that to heart and I think they did a great job.
2: I think, I, I, I mean, that's insightful to me. Like, I, I think that's a good way to put it is essentially when you're on the West coast too, for both those races, you have to kind of view it as one long race. You mentioned the uh, honeyman being sick um, and the driver substitution. Can you walk us through like how that all comes about? Cause that was on top of everything else that was going on. So walk us through like when a driver, uh, you know, might need a substitution or is in that situation? Like, what all goes down in that case?
5: Well, Leland was very forthright with how he was feeling. Um, he told us very early how sick he was the night before. When we got to the racetrack that morning, uh, my job was just finding out who was even available as a backup. I mean, the problem was we were in Portland. It's not like you just walk up there in the cup garage and grab somebody. Um, we didn't know who was, who was even – licensed uh, and of course everybody looked at me and said well Tommy Joe just get in the car I was like I don't have a driver's license this year I haven't gone through the process of getting it uh, so I wasn't even approved I mean I know that I would be in a pinch here but you can't get all that done while you're at the racetrack there's a lot of stuff that you got to do medical forms that you got to clear and uh, other other things that have to go into that before I could just get in a race car and also part of I that too
1: it's part What's sorry that? to interrupt you as part of that too like if they fit in the seat Not i'm not no, trying right? to imply yeah, that I'm you not, don't said. but that's yeah
5: yeah that's it that's it connor and i wasn't look i'm six foot three i'm not even gonna fit in the seat so okay I'm so i was safe there the right thank tool. goodness
1: yeah.
5: yeah so when i knew that brad was there you know brad has worked for our team before he worked for martin's motorsports for two years uh as our tire guy and is really a great guy um and when I knew he was there with his, you know, road course experience, it just made a lot of sense. Luckily and smartly, he brought his stuff uh, out there to the West Coast. He had all of his gear. He was ready to go. Um, and so, with that, uh, we were able to kind of put him on standby. And so, Weland did practice qualifying. Did a great job. Qualified twenty first first time in an Xfinity Series on a road course. Um, was the highest qualifying Alpha Prime car right behind jeremy clements and some of the guys that are doing this every week so i was really really proud of him for that and then we told him look right before the race honestly was about as bad as he looked all day i mean he was pale and he had been he had food poisoning and had been throwing up all morning um and right before he got in the car we just told him look you're gonna have to be really honest with us we're gonna have brad here if you don't feel like you can do it let us know. It was a hot day out there in Portland. Road course races are, are probably the hardest you're going to work inside of a car. Um, and I think, you know, ultimately, like, that's it. Uh, it's it's just, he, he was really honest. He, he told us, hey, man, I can't make it. Um, we had Brad ready to go and, and Brad was able to hop in. Luckily, we had a three-minute break, right? And and what a, what a perfect time. If you're ever going to have to do a driver change, what a better time than a three-minute break uh, where you're able to actually get the guy in there and do it the right way.
1: All that good luck for I'm you getting, right at that moment this weekend.
5: <laughs> well, I would say it was the best luck ever. Yeah, I yeah, getting involved in a crash at the end of the race.
2: <laughs> I, I, I'm curious of like, so if, when you have to make a, a change like that, like how difficult or how smooth is the process when you go to NASCAR? Cause I'm assuming they have to be pretty heads up uh, and knowledgeable about you know that that's taking place and who's getting in the car and all that so is it just as simple as going to somebody and saying hey this is who's you know going to be in the car or is it more of like a difficult process
5: i mean there's a little paperwork involved on the back end but in the moment it's pretty much as simple as just letting the series director know that you might have to make a driver change and they're always very understanding of what's going on uh, especially when it revolves you know or it involves driver health and safety. So, and in that case, that's what we had. We had a driver that was really not feeling well, had already had to go to the infield care center was really trying to tough it out and, and really did the best he could. I mean, I don't know how many of you guys have ever had food poisoning. I have, you do not feel like really doing a whole lot, much less driving in an Xfinity race at Portland. So, uh, the fact that Leland was able to gut it out as as much as he was really was was really pretty impressive and then luckily we were just able to have the a a good substitute sitting right there in the pit box is he back to full health then yeah Leland's all good actually going to be out there in Sonoma racing for uh, I believe racing for Emberlin Gase kind of in a fill-in role as well so what's funny is we we had an Emberlin Gase guy Brad fill in for us this past week and now uh you know we're we're kind of I guess we're loaning Leland over there to their team uh, this weekend in Sonoma
4: so does, you know, you mentioned the fact that you don't have your, your license. Does this incident like this, I know you said you, being six, three wouldn't necessarily fit, but does an incident like this make you want to, to have that as a backup plan, possibly moving forward?
5: I think it makes the crew guys want me to be the backup plan. I can tell you that uh, <laughs> it wouldn't have helped us a whole lot in this moment uh, because I I had a spot. I was actually spotting for, for Dylan Lofton, but for one. So you know, Joey Gase and I had that that conversation when we were up down he was spotting uh for uh Patrick Emmerling, I believe. And I think Emmerling was having some health issues at the time. And there was kind of a scramble of who was gonna get because at, at the time it was like, well, Brad will be my backup driver. Well now Brad's sitting in my car and Joey's going, wait a minute, <laughs> wait, do I have to get off the stand and go down there? And so we actually had one of the the spotters who was uh I believe it was uh, Glenn McGowan who was spotting for uh, Stephen Parsons actually took Joey's radio and Joey ran back to pit road. I think to to maybe have to sub in, I, and I'm not sure exactly what happened there. I don't, I don't think there was a substitution, but that that's what you had going on. You had a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes,
4: man.
1: No, I'm glad you uh, brought up Joey. We had him on a few weeks ago. Uh, being from Iowa, we've followed his career for a long, long time now. Uh, and he was kind of telling us about how the purse system and everything in NASCAR, the way it was set up with the new cars coming, and that's why he wanted to start a team in the Xfinity Series. I was going to ask you as far as you know the money you guys get from NASCAR, rewards money, uh, standings-wise or normal race weekend-wise, what would you – want to see like what's one thing you'd want to see out of nascar the most in that area
5: uh just paying
1: us more in general sure. uh sure i could say
5: that but i or assume that i suppose but that's yeah yeah i mean it's, it's really it's a safe answer, answer too is that yeah i mean that's that's really it i've, I've been extremely public about this which is why i don't mind mm-hmm. telling y'all i mean I, I do think the teams need to get paid more in the truck series they especially need to get paid more and in the xfinity series there needs to be a bump as well. Uh, costs have gone up thing that you do in life. Uh, and they definitely have gone up in the racing industry as well. And, um, you know, really when we start talking about the television revenue, it's something that's clearly being worked on moving forward. Um, the idea of uh, probably sharing a little bit more with the teams in general, I think it's something that the race team Alliance is working on. And I think as we kind of approach the new deal of the television agreement, there's been a lot of talk about the x series going to streaming. And with that, there'd probably be some more revenue in there for the teams. And I think that's a good thing. So I think everybody's kind of addressing it, uh, but it is without a doubt the elephant in the room. Uh, everybody always wants to ask, well, why, Why doesn't such and such have a ride? You know, that's a great driver. Why doesn't he have a ride? And it's like money. Money's the reason he doesn't have a ride or she doesn't have a ride. That's pretty much it. It's that the teams are not operating in a profit. We are operating at a tremendous loss and we have to try to make up that difference in sponsorship revenue, which that might not always be from the most talented available driver. Uh, That's only going to happen when the team already has inherent sponsorship most likely from just a rich owner that just sees this as something fun. Like Scott Borchetta that owns big machine racing. He is very, he's, he's doing okay guys. Like it's, he's not really hurting for money. And they put big machine seltzer on the side of the car for cried out loud. So that's a sponsor and owner all in one. That's the ideal. And he's going to probably pick who he thinks is the best driver out there. This year, it was Parker Kligerman, and I think Parker's done a really good job, right? So that's the perfect situation is as a team owner, we have the sponsorship in-house, and it's all good to go. We have a salesperson at Alpha Prime Racing. We are trying to sell sponsors all the time, but ultimately, a lot of the times, this gets tied to drivers, where the driver already has the sponsorship, and they are really shopping around team to team, and it's up to us to try to pick who we think fits our team the best and who we think is going to do the best job.
1: You guys got anything else for Tommy?
2: Uh, The question I've got, so you've got kind of a up and down uh, record at Iowa Speedway. Um, I know you finished uh, 11th there. So (laughs) what's what's your opinion of that track being missing from the schedule?
5: Tragedy. It's one of my favorite places in the world. Uh, uh, Just a tremendous NASCAR racetrack. And, and that's it. Just a, a perfect track for stock cars. Uh, a legend to help design it. Uh, Rusty Wallace. And, and I think it has held up ever since. I think it puts on a great great race. Um, was a ton of fun to race. And I got to race there a decent amount. Um, man, I really missed that place being on the schedule. When I, when I look at all the things that we're doing, guys, part of me feels like we've lost part of what is really nascar right we're, we're looking for more short tracks on the schedule and we're reopening north wilkes for we're talking about going to nashville Fairground speedway and it's like hey you know, got iowa <laughs> sitting sitting right there uh pretty good racetrack might be an idea because what we've seen with nashville uh super speedway the response to putting a track at a race or sorry putting a race at a track with the cup series because Really, that is the driver. Like, when the Cup Series comes to town, everything else kind of follows. And Iowa Speedway never got a Cup race. You look at Kentucky Speedway, it was going to die, and then they got a Cup race. And then everything changed, and it was better. And then ultimately, it was just a gigantic turd and had to eventually get a – we had to go away from it because it was the worst track that's ever been built outside of Texas Motor Speedway now that they've reconfigured it. So – ultimately smi really bad at running tracks apparently uh but iowa speedway they've left that thing alone it's aged perfectly (laughs) and it's a track that puts on tremendous racing in a a place that that we would really like to go back to
2: i think that's the the tough part for you know people like us that live in iowa it's I don't have a better word, but it, uh, you almost feel abandoned because there is some good race fans here in Iowa. I mean, we saw for the IndyCar races last year, um, a big crowd showed up. Gigantic. Yeah, we, we've lost the trucks in Xfinity at Iowa. Uh, we've lost Chicagoland. Now we lost um, trucks we, at Knoxville too, Caleb.
5: We lost, did, yeah, a, we we lost we did tr- a
2: double down on that one. Yeah.
5: Well, yeah, you should have sure lost, lost trucks at Knoxville. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That Tommy, was, I just—I just, have, really have one request for you, Tommy. Go back with fifty-six to go in the truck race at Knoxville last year. Brett Moffat got called for jumping the race. Oh, it's the boy. most egregious call I've seen in my life.
5: Yeah. Well, I can tell you the most egregious thing I've ever tried to watch in my life was the ending of the Knoxville truck race a couple of years ago. So that one that was, was, yeah. And with with that being said, as the team owner hat that I'm currently wearing. Um, I don't think trucks need to ever go back there ever again. The lowest paid series on a solo trip to Iowa to destroy everything they own. uh, I think they would much rather go to Iowa Speedway as well. That's a perfectly good racetrack. I think we ought to race there.
1: It's tougher for a blue and white 19 truck to do as much damage as it did that night.
5: Yeah, it was pretty brutal.
2: Caleb, you got anything else? Are we good? I mean, I think that wraps up. Noah, you got
3: something? So, you know, you, you've mentioned the team owner hat that, that you're wearing right now. Uh, and you mentioned, you know, you, you haven't renewed your license, you know, to drive. Is, is there a chance that we ever see you back in a car or are you, are you fully focused on being a team owner now?
5: I just want to be a great team owner right now. Uh, is the longing there for me to drive? Yeah. But I, I want Alpha Prime to be successful. I mean, that is my primary goal. Um, This is everything that I do every day is just to try to make this team as good as I can make it. Uh, We know we don't have the budget of some of the people that we try to compare ourselves to. And this is not me saying anything bad at all. But uh, the people we try to race with is Sam Hunt and Jordan Anderson Racing and the AM Racing 25 and the 48. Uh, Ryan C and Clements and all those guys that you consider fringe playoff people we we really want to be that that's what we want to be um, and I'm, I'm just probably not going to sleep very well until we are and ultimately uh, as a race car driver I knew that I, for me to make a living out here doing this uh, it was going to be pretty tough uh, the age that I was Rick Hendrick probably is not picking up the phone and calling me. I, I think I could be a really, I, I could be a good race car driver. Uh, could I have continued to try to have a career like Jeremy Clements? I think that was absolutely a path. I probably could have gone down. Um, I am so impressed by him and the career that he's been able to have in the XFINITY series and, and multiple wins. Um, that's a guy that I considered a peer of mine, but ultimately I, I just didn't feel like, I think like there was just a cap on what we were going to be able to do with Martin's Motorsports and, and me as a driver, um, and that's why I went down this path with Alpha Prime. It was a choice that I made to try to be a great team owner, right? Like I felt like I could be a good driver, but I felt like I could be a great team owner. And ultimately, you know, I'm I'm still kind of learning. <laughs> We're having some bumps in the road, but I feel like I'm kind of on the way.
4: Going going off that, how do you how do you feel that you guys take those next steps to to join those other teams?
5: Organization. I mean, ultimately, that's that's it. I mean, I put all this on myself, Damon. As we expand, it's it's tougher to be great, right? The, the bigger you get, the tougher it is to be really, really good. Um, two cars into the year last year, I was blown away uh, by the performance that we were able to have in our cars with with some of the drivers that we, we had in there. We, and we have great drivers, and we still do have great drivers. But I also think i got to be realistic with how the field in Xfinity got a lot better in one year um, with Cole Custer coming back to the Xfinity series and, you know, the double zero firing up again. And, and then you look at Brett Moffat in the 25 car being there, the 48 Parker Kligerman being there full-time. Uh, I've never seen more full-time drivers uh, in the Xfinity series ever than this year. You look at Sam Hunt, how they grew Jordan Anderson, how they grew um, and they have just been so good. Uh, Josh Williams, the 92 car, Uh, with some of the sponsorship he's been able to raise and doing a great job. I mean, it's just time and time again, good car, good car, good car, good car. And it just feels like it's just gotten harder than it's ever been. Um, And we got to rise to the challenge. I mean, that's, that's all it is. It's just managing people, uh, getting the best people you can and getting the best drivers you can. I mean, it's really pretty simple formula. We've had to move people around quite a bit. We've had a lot of kind of moving parts on the inside of the team and, and with that, I think comes a little bit of inconsistency. I feel like I feel really good about where our team's at right now. And, and I feel like really, if, if last year as a judge, I would tell you, we started off the year last year, like crap, <laughs> I mean, we started off terrible. And I had to make some personnel changes and, and make, um, you know, big swings at it. And I felt like I learned a whole lot kind of in that first third of the year. And you look kind of down the back end of the year, Uh, kind of how we were able to go. I I almost had to kind of learn how to be the manager of a two car team. And I feel like this year I'm kind of having to learn to be the manager of a three car team. And I have confidence that I'll be able to figure it out. And I have confidence in the people that we've hired here that that they're going to be able to figure it out too.
1: Well, I think that's all we got for you, Tommy. Thanks again. Obviously, it's been a super long week for you, so it means a ton to us that you're willing to come on here uh, and talk to us for an hour uh, on a random Tuesday night. So I appreciate you a ton for that, and if we ever figure out how to get an XFINDI race at Iowa again, we want to be the first to throw a big party, big post-race party for you guys.
5: Uh, you want to see something that will make me come out of retirement if we're racing at Iowa Speedway. That's one that's near and dear to my heart. Perfect. Thanks a lot for having me on, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks,
4: yeah,
0: for safe time. I mean Safe travel. Thank you. Thanks, man.